Good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, your host for this Hacking the Red Circle conversation, where we talk to people in the TEDx world you'll want to know better. The show is designed to learn what it takes to produce, organize, promote, and create a world-class event. If you're an experienced organizer, you'll get some great tips. Veteran organizers share lessons they've learned so that first-timers can avoid common missteps. There are hundreds of amazing people in the TEDx universe, and we talk to a lot of them. If this is your first time to the show, welcome. We produce Hacking the Red Circle every week. You'll want to subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. Now, on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Um, as you know, I, I get to time travel and geolocate myself uh, all over the world. I am on to one of my favorite continents, which is uh, Australia, to talk with Juanita Wheeler, who is the organizer and licensee of TEDx Brisbane. G'day. G'day. How's it going? <laughs> See, that's how you do it, right? G'day. Absolutely. Absolutely. G'day. I love it. I have to I have to say that we have um, tried to have this uh, recording of several times. Uh, for those of you who know, I run TEDx Santa Barbara, and uh, we typically record a couple of months before the shows air. And for the month of December and January, we were hit with a, um, a firestorm that was the largest in the history of California. It was right here in, in literally in my backyard. And then after that, we got hit with a rainstorm that was, they said it was a once in 200 year rainstorm, which ended up in mudslides. And through that, we didn't have electricity. We didn't have internet. We didn't have cellular. Hence, I didn't do any podcasting. And Juanita, you have been so patient. I'm so been looking forward to this conversation since we met first at TED Fest last year. I actually didn't go to Ted Fest last. I year. met some of the Wheeler clan though. No, no. I we didn't. No, no. We've um, met through introductions with other people and That's said what that it we was. should talk. Um, but yes, I'm not sure. I think we we might have met in passing at Summit. Ah, um, that's what it was. That's right. You're right. Yes. Plethora of people. And don't you have a? Is it a family affair for you? Like everybody's involved. It absolutely is a family affair um, because how I first got involved is, I mean, I'd love TED Talks. I, I started watching them, you know, years ago. And then in, and, and people knew I loved TED Talks. So in 2012, I got a um, Facebook message from a friend saying, I've just seen that they're going to do a TEDx event at South Bank here in Brisbane. Oh. Um, we should apply. And so I jumped on and I applied. It was their first event. So there was only 100 seats. And um, I got a spot and oh, she great. didn't. But we're still Uh-oh. speaking, so that's okay. Um, <laughs> but so, and, I, and it was kind of high risk for me because I was like, I love the TED Talks. Mm. If I go to a live event and it's not, you know, oh, of the sure. kind of color, but like sure. will that, you know, diminish my love? But I didn't have anything to worry. It was amazing. And, and I was hooked instantly. Within six months I quit my job and changed my life and done, you know, crazy Really? Things. Yes, <laughs> you know, because you sit there and you're like, wow, you know, here are people doing crazy, brave things to make mm, the world a better mm-hmm, place mm. and, and I, want, I want to do that. Mm. Um, so it was great. So then in the next year, 2013, they asked me to come back as an advocate because um, TEDx South Bank and now TEDx Brisbane has an, an advocate program. It's really mm. fundamental to what mm. we do. Now, I noticed that on your site. 
And I'm not familiar with that. I mean, I know what an advocate is, but in the context of your TEDx, what does that mean? Well, to our knowledge, we're the only ones who do it, though we're starting to get interest you know, we're doing workshops at our regional workshops and we're getting approached by people to say, tell me more. Um, so, and the first question is, oh, is that just your word for volunteers? And we're right, like, absolutely right. not, because we have volunteers who aren't advocates. Um, so our advocate, how the program works, and to the great credit of the founder, Laura Stokes, she initially set it up. Um, so my very first contact with TEDx Southbank was I got a phone call from somebody who said, hi, personal phone call before the event, hi, I'm your advocate for the event. I'm your go-to person if you need anything. Here's some information about me and why I love TED. Tell me a bit about you and what are you hoping to get out of the day and what kind of people would you like to meet? And that was just, first of all, it was like, who is this person calling Oh, me? my gosh. A hundred like, phone calls were made in a hundred conversations? Yes. Oh so gosh. every person got allocated an advocate. So that was my first introduction to TEDx on a, on a personal local level. And then on the day, Julia was amazing. She, you know, made sure that I was settled and she saw me and she recognized my name, my name from the badge and made sure she came and talked to me and had clearly remembered our discussion. And then at different times during the day, she would grab me and say, here is this person I need you to meet. And she would pull me across to someone on the other side of the room and say, you guys need to talk about X, Y, Z. Um, so she'd already clearly made those connections and those plans in her mind. And, and so it just completely added to the experience. Not only was it about what was going on in the room, but as much of the experience was about what happened outside the room. Uh, so not only was she advocating for my knowing housekeeping things, but she was advocating to get me, welcome me to the community and give me the best possible experience. So the year after when they said, you know, do you want to come back as an advocate? I'm like, absolutely. Can't think of anything better. Wow. Uh, and so that year was amazing. And that year they stepped up from 100 to the maximum that that venue took, which was 264. And so... What um, year was that? That was 2013 was the second year. And so I was an advocate that year and fell in love with it because then you had the chance to talk to, you know, I had yeah. about 10, yeah. 12 people. And already I'm like, I need to introduce you to that person. And oh. I just had a conversation with that person. So you would have oh these moments gosh. where I would speak to a, I had a vet um, who, uh, as in a veterinarian, um, who was doing amazing things. And I was talking to her and she'd just seen a talk about that we had on the stage about palliative care for children. Because at the time, Queensland, right. which is the state where Brisbane is, didn't have a children's hospice. Unbelievable. Mm. But we didn't. And so that was in the process. We now do. Yay. Um, but she was hearing that and she was a veterinarian. She was like, we need palliative care for, for pets mm, mm. and the wow. families of the pets. Right, and so right. she's, she's gone and done that now. She was inspired by that talk and went and did it. But we also introduced her to this other person on the other side of the room. Um, and through that meeting, they're now running the free pets in the park veterinary service program here in wow. Brisbane for homeless people. Wow. So For homeless people. Yes. So if you're having your pets, they go and do it for free in the park. And this all came out, you know, so that, that's what we're about. Um, right, right. Um, um, and so we were a part of that. Uh, the year after, they asked me to come back and be a speaker. So in 2014, I'd gone from being a participant, and we call our audience participants very intentionally. Yeah. You are not here to be a spectator. You have to participate. Right, and we can't right. pick you to be there for that reason. Right. So I'd been a participant. I'd been an advocate. I then was a speaker. And then um, the year after, 
um, the person who is the licensee, who's an amazing young woman, uh, phoned me for a cup of coffee. I thought, oh, she's going to ask me to be an advocate or perhaps help sure. with the marketing or the sure. strategy, which is what I do professionally. And she's like, I'm moving to London. Um, she then went and took an amazing job um, working as head of programs with um, Virgin and Richard Branson, um, like you do. <laughs> and, um, and so she was, look, worried they're going to wind it up or you can take it over. You know, because we think you can, you can do it. You've been in all these different roles, and it was. Wow. You know, she's like, no pressure, but if you say no, <laughs> we're going to wind it up. I'm like, I love oh, it. Oh well, no, you can't do that. You couldn't do that. And it was this terrible time, actually, because about two weeks earlier, I'd said to my husband and family, and this is where the family part comes in. I said to my husband and family, I just finished my second master's degree, and I'm like, look, I'm going to take time off. I promise, I'm not jumping in a PhD. I'll have some break. We'll just focus on, you know, business and family stuff. So it's all fine. And then I got this and had to go to them and say, okay, family, remember when I said this? Yeah. Um, fortunately, I mean, my eldest son had been before and so he'd, as we say, he'd drunk the Kool-Aid. He got what it was about. Um, and, and then the rest of them came on board, but it was very much, if we're going to do this and I'm going to have this many hours, cause you know how many hours this is. I mean, it's an enormous commitment. Oh, it's a part-time um, job, isn't it? It is. Uh, it's kind of a full-time job, I think, most of the year, um, the unpaid full-time job, the other full-time job. Uh, so it was very clear that – so I just said, look, if we're going to do this, let's do it together mm. um, so it doesn't feel like I'm disconnecting from the family but mm. rather here is another way that our family can mm. connect, having very similar So who values. does what in the family? Tell me, go through it step by step. So um, so I'm kind of do the executive direction and, and the, the main organising and obviously head of curation. My husband, he is our head of – production so he if, if it's happening on the stage if it's happening backstage you know if people have to be at a certain place at a certain time he's on that um and it's wonderful um I've worked with Rob my husband several times we've worked together in the same companies um often he's been my 2IC in different things mm. so we mm. work really well together and I love it. so it's that wonderful thing where you know if you say to him I need you to do this it'll be done on time it'll be done well and it'll you know, I don't have to worry. There's um, very few couples who run TEDx events. Um, absolutely. When we were at the summit, which was now two years ago, uh, we you know we were asking around, and and people could only name off two or three. Listener, if you know of a couple who is running a TEDx event, uh, drop me a note, please. Uh, contact forms on the bottom of the page. Um, I would love to talk to them. I'm, I'm really fascinated with creative couples that have figured out how to live together, work together, play together, and 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 effectively and efficiently divide the workload together. Uh, but it just it's huge, and there's not enough of it. I think it would be great if more couples did it because then that person isn't disappearing from the relationship for for months and months on end. So keep going. Precisely. I think your, your kids are involved, right? Yes. So our kids are, uh, are now 24, 20, and 19. So they're not little. Um, and so our eldest, who had well and truly drunk the Kool-Aid by this time, he had been a, a one-minute speaker um, at uh, and had actually won the one-minute pitch speaking event back in, I think, 2014. So he, he'd been there. He got it. He's um, He had spent a couple of years as our experience manager, and now he – and he's also our host last year and 2016 and 2017. Wow. 
uh, very charismatic, <laughs> you know, has all of those charisma things that I don't have. I'm not sure where he inherited it from, but, it, you know, <laughs> they're nice. not my gene. Nice. Um, so, and he's, he's wonderful and, and, and people respond really well to him. And, and he also works as a digital marketer professionally. So he does a lot of, of that and helps us with that part of it. Um, and uh, so our middle child, Rory, um, he was one of our volunteers. And this year, actually, having listened to the episode with uh, Craig from TEDx Mid Atlantic mm. of your half. Right, the, the green room manager. manager. We were saying, okay, we need a green room manager. I <sighs> was completely sold. Um, and and so we actually put Rory into that position because the year before he had been like the two IC to our operations manager and had been fabulous. He saved us so many times. <laughs> you know all the stuff that happens behind the curtain that mm-hmm, you, you, know, mm-hmm. no, you want no one to know about. He made sh- he he was all over that. So um, we put him into that role this year. Actually, we made a lot of changes. Every time we hear an episode, or at least every second episode, there's something new. So this year we had a green room manager based on Craig's um, episode. We did um, we'd always done a post mortem, but we and I knew about pre mortems from my executive MBA, but we hadn't done one. And right. then I heard, you know, Hanu. Hanu's yeah. and we're like, okay, so we did one this year. So glad we did. It was great. Um, you know, we heard Ingrid from TEDx Canberra talking about Basecamp. And I talked to Ingrid quite frequently, but Basecamp hadn't come up. And we're like, okay, that's it. So we use Basecamp. It's awesome. You know, uh, and we, oh, we heard you talking to Gavin, the scribe. Mm-hmm. Um, we went and booked him. That no man, kidding. Yeah, absolutely. We just got on the email the next day. Not only is he ludicrously talented, that is one of the nicest humans you will Isn't he? Isn't he? Oh, yeah. Oh, what an amazing guy. So, um, no, and this year um, we uh, we didn't have time to work on it last year, but, you know, Arthur, who I love, Arthur Zards, has yes. totally re-inspired us to get into TEDx Adventures and be brave and, and leap in. So we're going to be doing that in 2018. So, no, we every second episode, we're like, quick, write this down. I'm going to go and do this. So um, it's this most fabulous resource. It's oh, like, thank um, you so much. I really appreciate that. It's it's, it's heartwarming to uh, have done this, and I, it's had a profound effect on us. Um, I, I look at TEDx Santa Barbara as a lab where I'm able to put these various ideas into play and see what works and what doesn't work and and why. And, uh, and that's been, there's the one lesson that I heard, it was from TEDx Kashmir's that was just spectacular, was have everything arranged so that on the morning of, you can stand at the front door and welcome everybody that walks in the door. And I did that. I did that. Oh I did that this gosh. year for the first time. Right? How was that? Yes, it was, it was amazing. Actually, ours was more of a, to be honest, um, it hadn't occurred. It was an, uh, just a thing that happened mainly because our um, head of operations, uh, who is an amazing young woman, and we have empowered her to the point where she will tell me, she has a thing where she just says, Juanita, stay in your lane. This Ooh. is her thing now. Ooh. Hand up, she's like, stay Ooh. in your lane, which is a loving to just say, you don't need to know about this. Yes, um, yes, yes. And so there was something going on at the Rego desk this, this year, and she was like, um, and she was, as soon as I walked over, because there was a little huddle, and they all stopped talking and looked at me, and it was like, you don't need to hear this. And I'm like, okay, do I need to know? And she's like, no, you don't need to know anything. And I said, oh, well, maybe should I just go out? The queue is just five minutes to the door open. Should I just go down and walk down the queue again thinking about that tip? And so I did. It was one of the best things ever. Uh, I'll do that every year now. Oh, yes. Yes. 
Yeah. So sorry, yeah. I got distracted. So who's the youngest? What does the youngest now? child do? Harrison, child. He, um, yes, you know, nineteen-year-old child. Um, the uh, he, he is uh, works backstage on the technical production. So he was in charge of monitoring the you know the two computers that had the slide deck, the emergency slides, the transitions, and he was all over that. It was really interesting because sometimes you um. You perhaps, are, well, maybe it's just me, are a little bit harsher critic of your children than others. I know some people swing the other way, but I try to be really pragmatic and realist. And I agree. There's actually someone else who was also on that desk with him who's a very experienced person in our team, and I went in to see, you know, how it was going just beforehand, and he just pulled me across to the side. He said, Harrison's all over that. He's, you know, you, I don't even need to be here. He's, he's got it. And um, and that was lovely. And at several times, people said to me during the day, he just saved that person when they jumped all around in their mm, talk mm. and he adjusted. So, so yeah, no, it's it's a completely a family affair, which is um, which is lovely, as you say. You're not checking out, um, but everyone's checking in, and um, mainly because you know our, our event is really about um, you know, we have a very clear mission and a very clear philosophy. So it's a wonderful chance for us to all touch base again on something. That Tell me what that very that clear mission is. Oh, so our, uh, we have a, a, our mission for our particular TEDx is engineering impact. And we talk about it all the time in everything that we do. So that's um, not a theme. That's a mission for the entire event that doesn't change. Yes, every year. Every year. All the time, twenty four seven, everything that we do is so all keep, about. Keep going. Tell me more about that. So we work on the basis that um, it's too much time out of everyone's lives for no money to not be having a dramatic impact in the world and making it good. Otherwise, there are other things we could do. So for us, engineering impact has this formula, um, and everyone in the team can tell you what it is. It's finding the absolute best ideas worth spreading that we can find, but recognizing that ideas are great. But if nothing happens from them, then they're just ideas in people's heads. So we're going to take ideas worth spreading, the best we can find, and then we're going to add that to a, a truly engaged and connected community. I mean, connected out the wazoo, you know, really engaged. And by doing those two things, we're then encouraging um, this engineering impact. We are engineering people to go and do things, whether it's taking the specific ideas we've given them or if that fosters them to think creatively about a different idea and put it into action. Um, and that's in everything we do. That's, you know, every talk we pick, every idea, okay, do we have the capacity to take this idea and engineer impact and make it happen where it needs to? It's in who we select to get into the audience. It's about um, which partners we get. You know, are they going to add value not only to us but to uh, the ideas we're trying to put into action. Um, it's about who we connect as an advocate to a, a participant. Um, because our, our advocate program, we don't, um, it would be so much easier if we did. So we took that idea and the advocate program has grown and become far more sophisticated over the years and every year we're improving it. But this year we had 550 people. We doubled this year from 264, well, more than doubled to 550. And we were really very nervous about that because everything about our community, this engineering impact, this whole idea of a personal, intimate, you know, engaged right. experience, <clears throat> right. could that be scaled up? Um, and, you know, we were off, we, I don't, I'm not sure if you were, I think it was in um, Geneva, and Dimitri got it from TEDx Canberra, got up on stage and presented about how things had gone wrong when they rapidly escalated. Thank goodness he did that because we took all of those notes and all of that talk and wrote everything that could possibly have gone mm, wrong. And, mm, and mm. then we tried to, you know, proof it so it couldn't happen. 
So our question was, could we scale our experience, our unique advocate experience to, to a greater number? And, and we did manage to do that. Um, but, you know, we don't, with, with our advocate program, after we've selected our participants, we don't sort of go, okay, you get the, here's 15 names for you and here's 15 names from you off the top of the list. We go through me typically and pay, every year I say, I'll just randomly allocate them. But then I get there and I'm like, okay, I go through and I do keyword searches and I look at career searches and I look at what they're passionate about based on their application and what they're trying to achieve and then we very specifically tailor which advocate they get allocated to. Um, I am going to show you something after this recording that's going to blow your mind. We, um, we created the first version of TED Connect in 2003 mm -hmm. for Chris. Mm -hmm. And that's how I met my wife, and that's how we started our software wow. company. And it's a matching engine that was used that we used at TEDx American Riviera, and we used it at TEDx Midwest. And what TEDx Midwest did was they didn't. I love the. I wish I knew about the advocate program then, but they got um, an intern to go in and look at each person and figure out who their ten best matches were, and then mm -hmm. mailed them all their matches. So. I can help automate that whole thing for you and make it pretty amazing. Yay. That's at the moment, it's me reading each and every one and, and making personalized assessment. I mean, having said that, it's going well, but if we can automate that part of my life, <laughs> that would be awesome. I can. I, I'll help you with that. So I want to keep going because I'm, I'm, I'm curious. So we met at the summit, but do you, have you gone, do you go out of your way to go visit other TEDx's or you, do you have time and budget to go do that? Budget is definitely the, the issue with that, particularly in Australia, because there's typically a distance. So right. I've probably gone to, you know, I've probably gone to less than TED, less than 10 TEDx's that, you know, in, in uh, my time, I would love to go to more. Um, but budget's definitely been the factor with that um, and time, but, but mostly money. It's something that we definitely would like to do. And I definitely like to have more of my team go mm. and do that as well. Mm. Um, you know, uh, going to the big TED level events is, you know, I've, I've been to TED Global and Geneva and I went to TED Summit and, um, you know, that's a real stretch on the budget. Right, um, right. But if you're, a, if you're wanting to go for a level uh, for a 100 plus license and you're in Australia, there is no closer event right. uh, for us. You know, I think Australia is the only continent that hasn't had other than an Antarctica's had but not a TED level event. But I think Australia is the only continent other than Antarctica that hasn't had a TED. So we'll um, send this episode to our good friends in New York City and uh, with a suggestion that maybe maybe we do something. Uh, having uh, I had customers in Australia for 10 years before I ever went to Australia. And then when I went, I was like, what took me so long? And why are you people so nice to me? And they said, do you know how hard it is to get you to come here? And then once you're here, we want you to tell everybody you ever meet for the rest of your life how amazing it is. And I continue to do that to this day. Uh, well, that's lovely. And I think I think it's, it's definitely the distance and it's definitely the cost. And I suppose, pragmatically speaking, if you looked at it as an organisational level, you're going to say, well, the cost for 10 people to fund themselves to, to come from Australia to America or Europe is less than asking 400 people to come up with the, the, that amount of money to do it the other way and go to Australia. But, you know, it, it, it is um, I would love for my entire team or a big, bunk, a big chunk of them 
to go to, you know, a summit or a global. Sometimes I'm there and I see teams that could take like, you know, they've taken four people, they've taken six people, they've taken, you know, eight people right, and I'm like right. me. Um, so, yes, you know, that that's definitely it. But we do try. I'd love to go to more. I mean, I would love to do, you know, I would love to do a tour, parochially speaking, of all the TEDx uh, events in Australia and New Zealand and see what our countries are offering up as best and brightest solutions. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's time and money. Um, when and also there are. I'm sorry, when you do your workshops, because you mentioned that earlier, how far away do you draw organizers for the workshop? This is actually the first time that we've done it this year. So it was all a bit, let's see how it goes. So we had people from, from TEDx Sydney, we had people from TEDx Canberra, we had uh, people from Cairns up in the far north Queensland. Uh, so that kind of area, you know, some of the other states. But we didn't get anyone from New Zealand this year. Um, probably we didn't give enough time to put them into their budgets. But uh, we loved it um, and we'll do it again every year. We just kind of feel like it was a wonderful thing to hear from others. Um, but also, you know, people wanted to know about the Advocate Program and other things sure, that we were doing sure. well. So it was lovely. So one of the things about workshops is that they tend to be uh, either the day before or the day after the main event. And I have to say that that just is, in to me, that's insane because we do a tech setup three days before, uh, full rehearsal, you know, full dress rehearsal, then we've got our day of. And the day after, we're still cleaning up and putting stuff away, and then I want to get on a plane and go to Hawaii. I'm done. And uh, so I don't know. How do you do that? Well, I have no idea how people do it the ne the day after because I'm like hobbling. Right. Um, my right. feet are covered in everything. And also we we have our own custom app. Uh, oh, well, it's, it, you know, it's not customised. It's we customise an app that's available commercially. But it's it's part of our engineering impact. So it's about follow-up. So not only do our advocates follow up on the date, they are also following up three months later. So our advocates are out there at the moment. We had our event in December. They're organising their follow-up meetings with all of the participants to say, wow. okay, what was, how are you going? What did you decide you were going to do? How can we help? Who do we need to connect you with? Uh, so it's, it, it really is ongoing all the time. But our app is also, you know, we're people are still posting and talking to each other on the app today from our December event, making connections, reaching out. But one of the things I do after <laughs> the day after I wake up in the morning if I've managed to go to sleep and I message every, I personally message everyone who attended. You're killing um, me. So last year that was, you know, 264 people and it was lovely because then you get the messages back and it's, it's wonderful. Um, but so this year people like you, you're crazy. We're scaling up to six, to 550. You can't possibly message everyone. Uh, granted, I didn't get it all done the next day. It took me like two or three days to get to everyone's done. But you wrote but, everybody? Yeah, absolutely. Juanita, um, you're my new hero. Oh, my gosh. And, and you know, tried to personalize it wherever possible because if I'd met them or if they'd said something to me or if they'd reached out in any way or, you know, so they're all, it's not like copy and paste, except I, if I absolutely didn't have a chance to meet somebody. So, uh, but then you, I, I love spending the next day mm. a, nursing mm. my feet but also <laughs> reading all of the messages that come back and, you know, Oh, at the start of our event, we give a, a disclaimer because, you know, I, I quit my job, but a lot of other people do. And we've had people who we've had some divorces and we've had, you know, oh, no. a whole range of things. So people go, that's it. I've realized that this is not me living my best life. So, you know, what? part of the uh, start is saying, look, 
here's the disclosure statement that I think should come with every time we do a TEDx, which is don't do anything rash for 72 hours afterwards. Don't get jobs, <laughs> don't leave partners, don't do anything. So we actually give it from the stage and people have a little chuckle. But I wake up the next morning and it's like this year I had the message that said, you know, that went on the app. It wasn't even just me. And it was like I've just woken up next to my husband of blah, 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 and I have no idea who he is, who I am or how I got here, you know. And um, so, yeah, so we, we're responsive to that. And we have some people who do have meltdowns like, oh, my gosh, I've just realised I don't want to go to work on Monday. Mm -hmm. I have to do mm -hmm. my job. So, so that's the day after. I have no idea how anyone could possibly do a workshop the day after. We did ours two days beforehand. Um, again, again. How that, I mean, there are so many moving parts and there are so many things that have to happen to have a smooth show. And I can't imagine all the, because well, I know how much work there is to a workshop. Absolutely. Well, for us, we knew in advance that we were going to do that. We, I said absolutely no way the day before because <laughs> I just need 100% there. But two days out, we let all of our team who were presenting know which window they were in so if they could go and do their jobs that they were working on, come in, do that, and go. Mm -hmm. um, and I let them know that I wasn't going to be available. And if we had empowered our team and inspired our team and given our team the parameters and they knew that what they needed to do enough that I could – I didn't have to be there that day um, and they could step in and out because, you know, and, and that again is about um, building that team and then empowering right, them. Right, right, right. Well, I mean, that's a testament to, to exactly that. I mean, I see you as the, uh, now that I, we're having this great conversation, I see you as the mama bear over this whole event. I mean, you just have that vibe, that hospitality, take care of everybody vibe. And so you're going to, I mean, you're going to make it happen. I mean, who? Who, listener, do you write a message to every one of your 500 attendees? No, but you know what, Juanita? You know how you make a list of all the things that you do and you change? Someone right now is writing that down, and they are going to go do that for their TEDx, and you will have made a material impact on the events of, and the experience of thousands of people you will never meet. So thank you for that. You're incredibly welcome. It, um it's one of the best things that you could do. It's not like top hacker, but it's like one of the best things you can do, not only to then share some of those if they're not overtly personal, some of them really are. Um, it's amazing how what people will say and share to you the next day when you just invite them to. Um, but to tell your team, and, you know, it was lovely to go back 24 hours after and said, you know, yes, we're going to have some metrics. We're going to have the MPS come back, which I love, by the way. It's a valuable sure, tool. Sure. We have all of these other things. But, no, I have. I can tell you from these messages I've had, you have changed lives. Mm -hmm. Regardless of anything else, you have literally, I'm telling you I'm reading these, you have mm -hmm, changed lives mm -hmm. in truly profound and um, unbelievable ways. People are, are going to re realigning their, their life based on yesterday. So that, will, that's a one thing. Will you send me a link to the app? because um, I'm, sure. I'm really curious in that uh, besides the advocate program, which I, I absolutely love and, I, and I'll make a link to the, cause I know that's on the TEDx Brisbane site. What else have you done to make your TEDx unique? Look, I, I suppose um, it really comes back to that, that impact mm. Um, mm. aspect in that um, everything we do, like I said to, I said to people, you know, knowing we're going to do this, what's special about us? And I always like to ask, and we do that in the postmortem. And they're like, it's the Kool-Aid. And that's our <laughs> shortcut to say, you know, and they're always talking about the Kool-Aid. And for us, that's that shortcut. It's basically a shortcut to say, 
we intend to change the world. We're not kidding. We're not mucking around here. This isn't mm. a, you know, a motherhood statement. Um, we had uh, one of our new partners came on this year and we were talking about the job. And as you would know, you'd have this experience where they say, oh, so how, you know, and, and this is your full-time job, you get paid and you say, no, I don't get paid anything and everyone is a volunteer. And, and this gentleman, very lovely, but just stopped. He goes, can I just stop you there for a second? He's like, I, I don't understand if you just explain for me. You don't get paid. It's all of this money. You take time out of your work to do this. Why do you do it? And, you know, you stop for a second and then you go, oh, we're, we're changing the world. Yeah. <laughs> we're actually doing <laughs> yeah. it. Right. Um, and, and so everybody that we have believes that. And we um, – so part of that in the hand selection of who gets a ticket, in the hand selection of pairing them with people, we make it very clear from the stage on the day, you are not here as spectators. You are not here to just have a good day. There is an expectation in us giving you this ticket that you are going to go and do something let us inspire you, then the obligation is, you, is on you to do something, but let us help you do it. Um, tell us what that is and we will help you get there. Uh, mm. So I think that about our event is everything, from every word that's said, from every phone call, from every touch point with every person, it's you've been handpicked because we believe you're going to do something. Do it. Let us help you. I love that. You've, you've been handpicked because we, you know, there's, there's probably, I don't know what the exact number is, but I'm going to guess 50-50 that curate the audience versus just sell tickets. And yeah. that curating is, is such a key bit. It is a huge undertaking. How many apply to get down to the 550? In our worst, when I say our worst slash best year, it was uh, four people turned away for every one that got a ticket. Oh, my goodness. Um, but, you know, sometimes it's only double. It depends on the year. And, and we had a big change this year. We, you know, d more than doubled our numbers. We had a brand change. We changed our name from TEDx right. Southbank to TEDx Brisbane. Right. Um, we, <laughs> we had, I think, 50% of our curatorial team were new to the curatorial team, not new to us necessarily, um, you know, there, there was a lot of <laughs> changes. So, um, you know, but, yes, we, we curate them. We, we've had discussions about that too when people talk about size. And I said, the moment we get, and they, would you increase to meet demand? And I'm like, well, this was a big increase for us. To right, see if doubling, we do it doubling scalable. stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, our advocate program, like, is, 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 how that works and how that's okay to a great extent to still keep it intimate because you are still having very much one-on-one -on -one with a human throughout the year, not just on the day. So the advocates are, it's a 10 to one ratio on advocates. 15 to one. 15 typically. to one. Got it. Um, um, and advocates can't, you can't be an advocate unless you're an alumni. Right. So right. Of course. Of course. You have to have been to our event and drunk the Kool Aid and got who we are, and then we'll. I was just going to make the Kool Aid joke. You've got to have a little dribble of Kool Aid on your chin uh, to oh, even have yes, that conversation. Absolutely. Has to be leaking from your ears. Um, but um, so you know our numbers. But we very clearly said at the point where we even have to have the conversation that says, um, "Are we too big to curate?" then we're too big. Mm, if we mm. get to a point where we seriously are ever considering not curating the audience, then we stop because that's just a no-go zone. It's too important. It's too important. It's too important. After all these years and the experience and the listening to the shows and, and trying different things out, what continues to surprise you? Um, good surprise. Um, the impact that we have. 
Uh, every time I get a story back or someone messages me back on the app or someone says this happened. So we had a speaker this year who um, spoke about he's a industrial designer, young guy, fabulous, has spoken about coming up with this design to which will help people who are stroke patients. Mm. And, you know, I get feedback the next day that somebody who is in our audience, who is a nurse, who worked in a unit at a hospital that does stroke things is reaching out and they're going to arrange to do a, a trial there. Wow. Um, to wow. fast track or the thing like the homelessness, uh, right. the vet care for homeless people. And there are just too many of these stories. But every year there are the big ones and then there are the small ones. There's the, the small stories that very personally come back and say, I have, after all of these years of trying and heartache, I'm not going to do IVF anymore. We're going to go and proceed with adoption because wow. we can, wow. you know, and people sure. totally changing their sure, lives, sure, sure, sure. jobs, so impact. Impact, impact surprises me. Um, it thrills me, but it's still a delightful surprise every time you get that email. Um, and I suppose the other thing that surprises me is um, what truly engaged people on your team and in the community um, can do and what they'll do for nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. People will, if, you've, if, they've, you know, if they're on board, they're empowered, they've drunk the Kool-Aid, people will drop their whatever they're doing and do amazing things Um completely otherwise unreasonable to ask in the professional world and they will make it happen because they believe in the mission. You know, I'm, I'm so inspired because I'm just getting ready to restart my team for our event later in the year. And it's, as you well know, and as I started off at the head of the show, we've had, you know, we lost eight weeks due to natural disaster and, you know, there are still two people missing and there are still people digging out and it's it's tough times around here. Yet we do need to pull that team together and figure out how to do that. So this this notion of a very clear mission, we, we have a similar thing, but I don't I don't feel that we are as intense and intentional as you are. And so I'm going to take a little bit of, uh, of that from you, if that's okay, because that's uh, very inspiring. Thank you. Um, You're most welcome. What continues to be the biggest challenge for you? You know, um, on a very superficial level, the thing I want to immediately say is money, <laughs> because money is always challenging, yeah. um, particularly yeah. bef- not so much with people once they've come and they've drunk the Kool-Aid, and then the day after they're like, what do you need for next year? Like we had a partner that says, how can we get more involved? What else mm, do you need? Mm, Love mm. those people. But, um, uh, you know, that's really quite superficial and you can get over it. We've Our event, I mean, money is great and we can do more in a, new and exciting things and the production value obviously becomes schmick. Uh, more schmick, the ca- more cash you have. But fundamentally, all the things that we do um, that are core to us about inspiring, empowering, um, impact, the advocate program, that doesn't really cost money. It costs time so, you know, we can get it done. So that's money is my immediate reaction. But I think if I was really honest on a personal level, I think um, being a perfectionist and being wanting to deliver thank you, the thank you. best possible experience, for me the challenge is how do I one-up that each year? I yeah. want, and not for me, I want to one-up that for every person in the audience, for everyone yeah. who comes back, for every new person. How do I make, and, and one of the reasons that we have the Advocate Program exclusive to alumni, A, they know who we are and they understand this mission. Mm-hmm. They can, you know, voice it forward, backwards, explain it, it's fine. But they also 
it's a way to give people who are part of the community a way to step up and become mm, more involved. Mm, mm. Um, and that, so, yeah. that's completely different than, so the volunteer group is completely separate. Well, they, they, they cross over. So we have our advocates can also help with on-the-day tasks. Okay. Um, because okay. it's also a way that they see people sure, and sure, go, sure, okay, sure, sure, yeah. sure, sure. But we have, you know, all our crew and we have other people who have roles that are not advocates. Um, mainly those people have a skill set or perhaps they just haven't attended before. And that's just that's just 100%. You must have attended our event before you can become an advocate. Uh, so, yes, we have crew that are not uh, – we have volunteers and stuff that aren't, that aren't advocates, but um, advocates are at the core of what we do. And so, yeah, so personally it's the perfectionism. It's the fact I want to make it better every year for everyone involved and, um, so, and so, so working out how to do that. You know, my wife, Kimberly, is the strategic samurai, and she does our coaching. She's coached oh, 175 people, and she freely admits that she and she calls it her enemy. Like, her enemy is perfectionism, and <clears throat> she identified the enemy a couple of years back, and she decided that what she was going to do was allow herself to be messy. And that's the word, the term she uses. It, we at no time ever reduce the quality uh, of what we do, but this feeling that personally you don't have to fuss for 45 minutes on the perfect sentence to reply to an email. It's okay to be a little messy, to be a little human. And I think all of us as organizers, the, the bar is set so high for us by Ted. And then it's, we, I think we set the bar higher for ourselves because Absolutely. we want to preserve the brand. We, we, we know that we're representing so much. There's so much on the line. We take it so seriously. There's all these people doing all this work for free. We have huge mission like engineering impact. And so to that end, I would just say, give yourself permission to be a little messy. It's okay. Right. It's great. I love that she named the enemy because we. I say three things are the enemy, and I often say it to people. I say the three enemy, the, the things that enemy are perfection, complacency, and stagnation. Yeah. Um, so before we open the doors, um, and the volunteer teams are around, and, and I say to them, you know, I said, take a note from something I learned last year or in my first year as licensee. It doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be the best day they've ever had in their life. Yep. <laughs> So, yep. Yep. Uh, which isn't perfection, yep. you know. Um, so that, and then we, and you know, we always That's talk good. about well, what will great. we do this year? And go complacency and stagnation are our enemy. We don't want to just get complacent about putting on this or this speaker or that, or, and we and we don't want to stagnate. We always need to innovate um, to give them a better experience, but also to keep the people who are devoting this much of their lives to this engaged and interested mm. and stimulated. I say mm. to our team, uh, everyone on our core team and beyond, if you're not learning something from this, if we're not giving you something in your lives that you can take away personally or professionally, then we have failed mm. because part of our engineering impact is also engineering impact sure, in sure. The, the lives of our volunteers. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's like we're expanding our team. It was interesting you talking about your team doing a, your revisit. We're doing a reboot of our team for this year right now and we very strategically decided to be brave and expand our team and we're going to bring in some refine the roles and expand and do some new exciting things mm. but even more pragmat more than pragmatic about you know many hands make light work because obviously i think small teams can be great you have more control sure, you, sure, you know sure. you don't have to but it's a philosophical thing for us 
Mm. We want more people. Part of our philosophy and engineering impact is to allow more people to have the opportunity to be a part of this amazing team and this amazing brand and this amazing endeavor and grow as people personally and professionally. And I feel like we have an obligation and an onus philosophically Mm. Mm. to do that and invite more people in. I love that. That's uh, what a great way to think about the team, right? Because it's really a whole ecosystem, right? There's, there's, right? Because, because you have, it's very clear that as an organizer, you have an idea worth spreading, and it's that around engineering impact, and that's your idea, right? So you could do a TED talk on that whole thing, right? What that means and what you've learned from that, and how that uh, extends itself out into the world. I mean, with with 3,800 um, TEDx's last year alone, uh, the impact we're having collectively is because of organizers like yourself. And I think that that's going to inspire, this conversation specifically is going to inspire some of the um, the organizers who are either just coming in or uh, maybe it's their first year and they're not sure, like, how, what do they do? What's How do you lead the team? How do you, What is why is that important? Which leads me to um, what piece of advice would you give to that person who's they did they did one and we have a lot of we've had a lot of people on the show who we had them just before they did their event. I'm thinking of Sarah and Fond du Lac, uh, or uh, they they've just done one before they do the next one. What advice would you give them? Yeah, absolutely. I do. I do some mentoring here in Queensland with um, some TEDx event organizers or aspiring TEDx organizers, and I usually tell them um, three things. I say, have a clear mission, not ideas worth spreading. We all know that's TEDs. What's your at the local event? What is your mission? Um, at the why you're doing this, the why you're asking people to give up this time and attention and 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 such. So have a clear mission, and if you have, if everyone can't tell you what it is, then you haven't done it properly. Um, find great people and then inspire and empower the hell out of them. So, you know, so everybody can, so you have a 24-year-old who can stick a hand up to you and say, when there's a problem, say, stay in your lane. You don't need to know mm-hmm, about this. Mm-hmm. They're empowered to do it, but they also, you have full faith that they are going to get it done and no one's going to let you down because they let, they're living that mission yeah. as much as you are. <clears throat> yeah. So it's not that, that you don't have to worry. They and know the, what. And the third thing? Make incredible use of the Net Promoter Score. Get really creative about it. Um, let your entire team see it. Uh, every advocate um, reads ours. They know exactly what it is, and it helps understand and, and put into practical terms what people are looking for, what they want, what they care about, what they don't care about, what bothers them. Um, and it changes. It helps everyone's behaviour. But at the same time, because we say to our team, we will never do something because of the Net Promoter Score. But if we put on an amazing event, the Net Promoter Score will hopefully reflect that. So, uh, so yes, use it. And, and we've used it with suppliers. A supplier a few years ago um, the person on the day, the manager on the day, decided, oh, it's a bit of a hassle. I won't bring the tea bags. I'll just take coffee. And we had feedback in, about that in the Net Promoter Score. It was a problem. We were able to then send that back. We were able to send that back to that person. And say, mm. This happened and this has gone over to, like, you know, Ted HQ, everyone, you know, this is available. And, and, and people, and it was wonderful. They came back this year. They said, that will never happen again. Um, so, you know, use it, um, learn from it, 
you know, suck the marrow out of it, <laughs> I'll listen to it, people are telling you, and then use it in creative ways to get better outcomes. What would you say is the, the single thing you love the most about TEDx Brisbane? Was it curating, organizing, being the mama bear, which might be a new category, um, partnering, producing, marketing? We, um, I, I asked my team about the, the superpower thing because it was just too hard to uh, <laughs> <laughs> What do you think? And they almost all of them came back and said, as a team, our superpower is the Kool-Aid. Um, and then directly linked to that, people said, oh, your superpower isn't these things. They're like skills that you have and knowledge that you have, but your superpower is this inspiring and empowering the team to go and do all of those things that are those categories um, and to do them well because they don't want to let anyone down. They, they truly believe we're going to change the world, maybe in a small way, maybe for one person, maybe in a profound way. Mm -hmm. um, but they're going to be a part of that. So it's, it's the inspiring and empowering based on, I love that. based on the mission. That's the leadership, right? I mean, that, that really yeah. is leadership. <clears throat> That's, you know, leadership 101 is that. So for this year, when, do you have a date for your event? 3rd of November will be our main event. We're really excited. <laughs> We're already talking. But um, one of the exciting things we're trying to do, again, thank you, Arthur, for you know, inspiring me to get back into it is one of the things with the expansions, we're going to try and do some TEDx adventures mm -hmm. and we're also going to try and do some salons. But our main event uh, is the 3rd of November. I'm very encouraged to do the adventures myself. Yes. Well, we had some amazing speakers um, in December just gone. And I think, um, and we've got some, oh, the, the advocate team this year, this last year, they were just amazing. We obviously had to scale it up when we doubled. Right. So we got all these new people in. They just blew it out of the park. They got it. They understood why. They would drop things at a moment's notice. We had them all on base camp. So when somebody said, hey, I suddenly need someone with, you know, something with the lettering and I need somebody with a ute, and then you were flooded with, here, I can do it. I can mm -hmm, do it. You know, mm -hmm. Amazing. Um, and so um, – we have some people on those who are advocates that are now going to step up to core team roles and, and one of their um, responsibilities will be the adventures. Because particularly with our community, um, when we are operating 365, um, we need some more touch points with them. Right. That, there's, there's actually a staggering amount of work, isn't there? When you, when you oh really gosh, think about yes. it, the, the, doing TEDx women, doing TEDx youth, uh, mentoring, running your own event, running salons, doing a, uh, a simulcast of live, uh, which we're doing this year. We were asked to do that. And it's like, we're going to be at Ted Fest. How do we make that happen? Is it, well, you know, we'll step up and, as you say, we'll empower and inspire them to do a fantastic job of it. And uh, so it's, it is so much time. And speaking of time, we're, we're, I want to be uh, aware of my listener who's been uh, patiently waiting to hear what TEDx is our magic carpet going to take the wheelers? Because it's not just you. We're going to take the whole wheeler family. Where are we going? Um, I would like to tour Australia and New Zealand and see them all because I just want to see what's coming. What are the great ideas coming out of our part of the world? But then I, I want to go to Beacon Street. Um, oh. And the reason I want to go to TEDx Beacon Street is because people who are organisers whom I love and respect and they hear a bit about what we're doing and they say, you need to go to Beacon Street. Mm. So, mm. <laughs> I think I need to get it. Actually, I, um, I just took on a, I just received a fellowship next year um, to try and make the world great 
uh, for a year, which is lovely. And there's some international travel involved. So selfishly, I'm waiting for the program to come out so I can go, oh, that city, does that correlate with a TEDx event? <laughs> so, uh, yes, I'll see if I can uh, make that happen. But uh, fingers crossed. We have been trying to get John on the show. Uh, those of you who don't know, John is the, the organizer for Beacon Street. And how they get as many speakers in and the adventures and all the stuff they do. I can't wait to have that conversation with him. Uh, I've just made a note to have our scheduler go and, and make that happen. And now my, my favorite part, which is the best hack, and it's the free thing that you do. And I, and I, you know, the advocates kind of works for that. Having a mission kind of works for that. But it's that free thing you do that materially affects everything. What is your best hack? You need to, before you start or if you're doing your revision each year, you need to brew your own flavor of Kool-Aid. <laughs> what is it? What is it? And for us, that's our engineering impact, and which you know translates and flows into everything we do. It's the advocate program. It's the meaningful conversations. It's the you know selecting talks that are brilliant ideas, and then doing everything we can to actually make it happen, um, rather than just that was a great talk, which is lovely. But you know we're we're a little bit um, more. Uh, fanatical than that for lack of better terms so brew your own flavor of the kool-aid and then make sure you spread that out with lots of liberally with lots of love <laughs> and for people who might object to the jonestown reference to kool-aid what do you say well i always think of it in terms of you know the electric psychedelic bus tours uh as opposed to the jonestown <sighs> reference but God. um I've forgotten about that. Thank you. You're most welcome. Um, but, you know, so anybody who initially asks about this, is that a Jones thing I always send in the other reference and say, no, we'll go have a look, and, and this is the context in which we mean it. Um, it very rarely happens, but it does occasionally happen with um, older members of the, uh, the community or with people um, who had links to America or Africa. But uh, we, always, we always clarify. But, yeah, no, pretty much no. everyone gets it. No worries. Um, is there a question I didn't ask you that you were worried that I might or you were hoping I wouldn't? Ah, oh, no. I think that was um, – no, just um, – it, it's a wonderful thing to be a part of if, if people are considering doing it. Um and get involved. It's an enormous amount of time. It's an enormous amount of resources. Um, it's an enormous amount of your life done well. But if you do it very intentionally with a very clear purpose, then every day you know exactly what you're doing and why you're doing it. Yeah. Um, and if you bring everyone, really fabulous people on the journey with you and they have the shared values and the same beliefs and they can see that what they're doing is making a difference in real life, then, you know, most of your job is done. That's Mama Bear speaking there, you guys. That's exactly what it's all about. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for being a super fan of the show. I, I appreciate that. I, always, I see your comments whenever we post a show on the Facebook group. Uh, for those of you listening, if you're not on the Facebook organizers group, go and uh, get yourself on that. That's a, a great place to, when you have questions, be able to get them answered very, very quickly, as well as being on the hub and knowing folks like Juanita have our back is part of one of the wonderful things of being a part of this community. Juanita, thank you so much. Please thank the family for letting us have you for an hour here for this conversation. 
Thank you so much. And again, thank you so much for the program. As I said, we, we use it all the time and it is making our event better all the time and, and helping us to engineer that impact. Well, that's uh, it's the voices of a lot of people. We're, we're coming up on, I think, 75, 80 episodes. So we're, we're getting there. My goal is to have 500 of them. So that's, uh, I'll, I don't know if I'll stop, but I want to get to 500. That's my next goal. Thanks, Juanita. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Hacking the Red Circle. Have an idea for a guest for the show? Or would you like to tell us your TEDx story? Just drop me a note in an email to mark at hackingtheredcircle.com. Please be sure to rate, write, and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Makes a huge difference. And share the show with your team as we seek to grow our audience around the world. Until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for Hacking the Red Circle.